Wyo so serious? I'm like a dog chasing titles. I don't know what I would do if I caught one. Someone cut me off before I keep quoting The Dark Knight. Welcome to the WCIA 3-in-1 yes! <laughs> podcast. Post-Ohio State, Andy Olson back in Champaign. We have with us Brett Behrens and Marley Weirda out in Ohio. Just getting done covering the game, guys. What a game to end the regular season. There's so much that we can talk about, but we have to start first with the masked man himself, Io DeSumo, a.k.a. Batman, to his Robin, Andre Curbelo. We'll get to that in a second. But Io with the mask, showing out 19 points. Uh, Brett, we'll start with you. I mean, what was it like? I mean, I know we didn't know if he was going to play coming into today. Uh, it seemed to just be the same old Io. Found out about... 30 minutes before the game that he was going to play. I got a little longer than that, maybe 45 an hour before the game that he was going to suit up officially. And then he told us after the game that he did have a concussion. We knew that, that he was in the protocol. Bernard Underwood told us after the Michigan game on Tuesday, he confirmed that and then said he also broke his nose. He's got two masks, Andy. He's got a clear one and he's got this black one. It's got like a cool finish on it, little zigzag, looks like a superhero, said he feels like a superhero with the black mask on, loves the black one better than the clear one, and he sure lived up to it today as he had a big key run there late, looks like old Io in the second half. I thought he started a little slow, was trying to feel out the game and, and maybe just get back comfortable on the court after missing the last three games, but towards the end of the first half, 6-0 run individually from him. He had a big stretch for the Alana. They went up 10 in that stretch. Uh, I think it was 11 at one point. And then in the second half, I thought he really settled in and looked like himself of old. The mask really not an issue. I, I asked him, Marley, if he felt comfortable with it. I think it's going to take yeah. some adjustment in getting back. But overall, I couldn't tell a difference with him on the court. It's not like he was adjusting it a ton that I could right. see or anything else. I, I thought he felt pretty comfortable. Right. Pretty and I, comfortable. It's a fitted to his fit, custom fitted. So right. I can imagine there's no issues with that, but I think this game is going to be remembered as the masked IO return superhero. Like this is going to be a game that Illinois fans remember for quite some time. And just what a way to finish out the regular season, getting a win on the road against Ohio state right after they beat Michigan without Io, I think it really is just the perfect send off for this team as they head into the postseason just on this historic run that are on right now. And it's crazy how we are, are witnessing history at times. It really, I don't know if, if it hits you really all that much, Brett, but for me, sometimes I just have to like take a moment and take it all in because this is going to be one heck of a tournament run for this team, I can imagine. Yeah, Io DeSumo, 19 points in the game, 7 of 10. Like you guys have already mentioned, uh, it was hard to tell a difference between masked Io and regular Mayo. Besides the fact that masked Io looks so much cooler than just regular Io, I think we can all agree that we hope that he continues to wear it uh, throughout because it's different when you're guarding someone when they have that mask on, I think. Because you think of your Kobe's and you think of your LeBron's when they had to wear their masks. And I feel like that just puts them on another level. I mentioned it already. Andre Curbelo had a great game as well. He was the Robin to Io's back. 
that man, 19 points, 6 of 8 from the field. Kofi Coburn coming in third on the team in scoring. He had 12 points, had had some struggles from the free throw line, and in the second half wasn't able to get uh, everything he wanted like it seemed like he did in the first. Let's start first with Andre, you guys. I mean, we've seen him make so many strides so far this year, but in a game like this where Io had a very uh, quiet first uh, 11 minutes of the game before he made his first basket. Curbelo came in and was filling in for Trent Frazier, who was in some foul trouble. And again, the freshman is showing up and proving that he's a pivotal, pivotal player on this team and one that's going to matter down the stretch as we get deeper into this postseason. Right. And I asked Brad Underwood about just Andre's growth the past three games because it really seems like he just shot up exponentially and I think this is the potential that they are are expecting him to to play at and for him to get thrust into this role to take over for Io when he he just really needed to step in for this team and he showed that he could do that but yet again he rose to the occasion against Ohio State when he could have very easily slept or just fallen back into the Ayo Desumu shadow, but he was right up there with him. And that's one of the things that makes this team so dangerous. Brad Underwood had mentioned just how they're, they're such a guard heavy team. And now they're kind of seeing what this team can be with the, these weapons that they have. And I think Andre Curbelo, I mean, Brad has used this, um, cliche a bunch of times it's the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores and I mean if this is him freshman year I can only imagine what he's going to do um as as a future Illini in this program but I I think for him to get that chance this week without Io and really take the spotlight a little bit has allowed him to to be a little more comfortable in in his role and I think he needed that and and that time in the spotlight to now where he can shine, you know, just just as bright as as Ayo Desumu, be the Robin to to the Batman, as you said, Andy. I think every team needs growth. Every team needs players to come along. You know, that's Jacob Brandison after the Ohio State game when he got his start. He's really grown into that role, and, and Andre Carbello has done exactly that. He scored before this last five game stretch where he's been in double figures. He had six double figure games all season. Has been in double figures the last five games. Uh, averaging 15 points per game, uh, the last four, three of those without IO, and it goes for the career high 19 today. I thought Brad gave you a really good bite there, Marley, saying he's an alpha, and that's what Andre Curbelo is going to be next season when IO Desumu leaves. He comes in and takes over the show, and I think it gives and it should give Alana Nation so much confidence right now about what they can do together and how much confidence I or uh, Andre has. That should also make you really happy about the future and what he's going to be here for the next three years in Illinois. So uh, really impressive stuff from Andre Carbello today. And you mentioned it too, Andy, when Trent Frazier doesn't play more than, you know, the handful of minutes in the first half because of foul trouble and only scores three points. He didn't have his first points until a late three-pointer in the game. And yet this team is still able to win. It's just another impressive moment for this club to say, hey, look, we can win in a variety of ways when we don't have Trent Frazier, when we don't have Io DeSumo, when Kofi Coburn gets in foul trouble and he went out about the seven-minute mark, didn't come back in until about two and a half minutes left, goes over 5 from the free-throw line, and, and 
I know all Illini fans are sitting there thinking this team's going to lose because they can't make free throws. This is three months ago problems, and yet they still find a way to win. Very impressive stuff. Yeah, really quick for you, Brett. Kofi Coburn, what was different in your eyes from the first half to the second half and why he struggled in the second half? Well, he just started to get in foul trouble in the second half. And, and I, I remember looking over at Marley after the first half and something to the effect of, man, Kofi's really staying out of foul trouble. So you can uh, blame me, I guess, for <laughs> you know his inability to, to keep that going in the second half. But Kofi at halftime with no fouls picks up four in about 10 minutes in the second half. Yeah. I, I thought they really tried to slow it by them in mean, Ohio State. After a really, I thought, entertaining first half, Ohio State really tried to slow the pace from what I could tell in the second half. And it just tried to muck it up a little bit, really slow the possessions down and be more aggressive. I thought that was their halftime adjustment is that they came out trying to be a little more physical with Kofi. And, and I thought it worked, and they got Ohio State back in the game, and they took the lead. And when it was 68-64 with just a couple of minutes left there, I, I didn't think Illinois was going to win the game. No. And, and for, for the Illini to hold them without a point for 348, the final three minutes, almost four minutes, is beyond impressive to me that Ohio State was chucking stuff up, couldn't score a point, not even a, a field or a free throw. You know, I mean, that is how championship teams close games out, and they were able to do it. And this is back-to-back games defensively where I thought Illinois really lived up to its potential there on that side of the ball. It's certainly late in this game, not the whole game, but like it was in Michigan. But when they needed it most, the defense stepped up. Yeah, Brett, you mentioned it, what I wanted to get into next. You and I are on the same wavelength. Uh, the defense for Illinois down the stretch was great. There were some high scores, though, for Ohio State. E.J. Liddell really found his footing in the second half. Dwayne Washington, he's got 15. Justice Suing has 15. But Washington, he did that shooting 6 of 18 from the field. And Suing ended up fouling out of the game. So, Marley, what are your thoughts on the way that the Illinois defense really rose to the occasion when it mattered down the stretch and throughout the game where they were able to hold Liddell for parts of it? Right, and I think they were focusing on Liddell for the first half of the game. I mean, he hit his first bucket maybe 15 minutes in, and that was his only one of the half, I'm pretty sure. So uh, it was pretty obvious that they were camping on him, which allowed, you know, suing to, to take a little bit of a lead there in the first half. But I think, you know, as, as Kofi started to get into a little bit of foul trouble and, you know, things weren't going maybe as cleanly as they had expected um, there in the second. It kind of allowed uh, Liddell to to get out there a little bit and, and do what he what he does best. I mean, he he always puts on a show every time that he plays um, Illinois. I think it, it was a matter of time before um, it was coming. You know, he did have a, a slow start, but I think um, it, it was only a matter of time before he was he was going to get going um, from the, behind the arc there and just go on, uh, you know, an absolute bender. Uh, at the end to, to tie it and, and pull ahead. I thought, you know, he was going to take him to the end there. But um, again, like we mentioned before, it was Illinois' defense there in in the final three minutes that, that really did it for them. Yeah. Liddell going eight, Go ahead, Brett. eight Go for ahead. 17, Andy. I mean, you know, he, he had two field goals in the first half, five points at halftime. But they, like Marley mentioned, did a tremendous job really shutting him down in the first half. And and he got going in the second, and that's fine. I don't really have a problem with that. 
Dwayne Washington, though, after going four of eight in the first half, finishes six of 18, so two for 10 from the field in the second half for Dwayne Washington Jr. I thought that was a big-time key for the Illini to kind of keep him under wraps, so to speak. He should, you know, he should 50% in the first half, and, and he led uh, all scores in the first half with 11. Carbello and uh, Kofi, or Carbello and Ayo both also had 11. So you had three guys with 11 points there in the first half. You know, and for the Alana defense really to step up there on Washington, to me, was really, really big because, look, we talked about this on the pregame show. It was kind of how do you pick your poison between Dwayne Washington and E.J. Liddell? I don't know if you could necessarily stop both of them. They shut down Liddell in the first half, and they shut down Washington in the second. Those two things were key for Illinois being able, matchup-wise, to come out with the win. So this game, is, like we mentioned before, the regular season finale, and it's incredible to, to look back that Illinois, since the loss against Ohio State on their home court, have gone 11-1, and the only loss being at Michigan State. Every loss that they've had in Big Ten, actually, this season, all in single digits. And if you total them up, they're not more than 21. So Illinois has been close in all of their Big Ten losses so far this year. They have and will end this season with the most Big Ten wins. Michigan can't uh, get more than them since they're only playing 17 games. And after the game, Brad Underwood and Io DeSumo talked about the, the fact that they think that the record speaks for, themsel- for itself on who the best team in the Big Ten is. I, I had heard, and I want to know from you guys, if you saw this, Trent Frazier carrying a sign off the court uh, that said Big Ten champions. So, we knew there'd be some kind of dispute at the end here because of the, the difference in games and everything, but I want to get your guys' thoughts on uh, what you think they meant by all that. Does it matter? And is the most important thing this weekend coming up? I think at this point, I mean, me and Brett were talking about it before we hopped on the podcast. It's it, almost like the Big Ten just kind of prematurely handed the title to Michigan. So now in a hypothetical situation, if Michigan were to lose, Illinois just won this big one at Ohio State. If they crown Illinois a co-champion, it's going to seem like it's because Illinois complained or because, you know, they went to the Big Ten and say, hey, you know, we we deserve this. But I think it, it's it's clear cut who well, maybe to some, it's it's clear cut who um, the Big Ten champion should be in, in their eyes. Of course, I think Michigan fans would would beg to differ. But as they've said all along, I think this this is just fuel to the fire a little bit in a sense that maybe they got cheated out what would have been a Big Ten regular season title, and now you know they're going to go for the tournament title and an NCAA tournament championship so at the end of the day do you really want to be a big 10 regular season winner or do you want to be a national champion and i think that's where this team is at but they i think they have a little bit of that motivation like hey we should have been crowned as this champion let's go show them what we can do on an even bigger stage the percentages don't work out in illinois favor even if michigan wins tomorrow that's why michigan had the confetti on Thursday night after meeting Michigan State, a lot of fans needed 
Michigan State to win both games, and then it would have gone to Illinois. For just talking percentage-wise, I think the problem is is that the Big Ten hasn't come out and said how it's going to determine a champion and what factors it's going to use. And, you know, we're all just assuming here that it's going to be winning percentage, even though the head-to-head would favor Illinois with, you know, them beating the Wolverines. Illinois is going to finish at 80% in the Big Ten. The fact that can we just take a second to appreciate the fact that they won 80% of their Big Ten games in a COVID year when they finished five out of the last six games on the road. I mean, that is just unbelievable for what this team was able to do here down the stretch. You know, and, and like you mentioned, in Indians, 11 of their last 12 here. Michigan's winning percentage, if they win tomorrow, or excuse me, if they lose tomorrow, would be 82%. Uh, that'd be 14 out of 17. Right now they're 14 and two. They could be 15 and two with a win tomorrow at Michigan State. A loss, uh, like I mentioned, gets them to 82. percent So it doesn't factor into Illinois' favor for that. I did not personally see the Trent Frazier sign carrying off the court with the Big Ten champs. Uh, we Marley went back and, I both and looked. Missed that, yeah. Maybe he was holding it on the other end. I'm not really sure. We were down by the tunnel, Andy, where the Illini were walking. Uh, back in the locker room. So we didn't see that part, but I think Scott Ritchie from the news because that had that tweet out uh, said he, said that he did see that. And the Illini recognized that in the postgame as well. So uh, that, that certainly happened. I just don't feel like the Big Ten is going to give this, you know, blase title to, okay, you're right. co-champions now. I, I don't see that happening. And it's unfortunate that, that Michigan didn't have a chance to play its other three games, but I think that's the way it is with COVID. And I, I just don't see that changing at this point. Illinois, like Marley mentioned, can still go win a Big Ten tournament title. That's only happened two times in school history. Um, and so there, there's an opportunity there for them to go and, and champ or, you know, stamp their own champions, you know, with, right. the, with the tournament title. And we'll see if they can do that. And then ultimately on to the NCAA. But that's what Brad Underwood said in the postgame, too. It's like, look, yes, it was a goal to win a Big Ten title. And that's still in front of us in the tournament. But the ultimate goal was to get to the NCAA tournament. They've all but done that as a one seed. They're going to be a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, it won't be official until next Sunday when March Madness bracket show rolls out on CBS. Uh, watch on WCIA. Little hit, hit. There you go. Little plug. <laughs> and I, I think we need to acknowledge, too, 16 Big Ten wins. Never been done in program history. And it's even more impressive that this was done during a shortened season. And for them to come out with that accomplishment, I think speaks absolute volumes. If we look ahead to the Big Ten tournament, like Brett, you uh, alluded to, uh, we're, we're six days away from when Illinois is going to play their first game. We mentioned they're locked into the number two seed. If we just look at their half of the bracket, it's already guaranteed that of the six other teams on their side of the bracket, only one of them has beat them in the regular season. And it's going to be the number seven seed, either Maryland or Rutgers. The, those are the only ones in play for the seven seed. So if we look ahead, it seems like Illinois is positioned well to, to make it to Sunday. Of course, you still have Iowa on your side of the bracket, and then you have to play Sunday. Uh, but let's talk about that a little bit, maybe some expectations. I know I'm excited uh, to head out to Indianapolis and get my, my first taste of a Big Ten tournament experience. It's going to be different with COVID, of course. Uh, but it's still an exciting time. And Illinois, like we've said you know, or alluded to all night, has the ability to make a run in the tournament. And 
not worry about being regular season champions anymore and go for the tournament championship. So I can't wait. I, I hope they play Iowa on Saturday if they can get a win on Friday, like you mentioned. I think Indiana's locked into that 10 seed, uh, like you mentioned, just waiting on that seven line. But if we can hope that they win Friday and we get another Iowa rematch, I think that would be fantastic on Saturday. Saturday afternoon, get all the feels of you know going in, a chance to play in the championship game on the line. And then if, if you can get back-to-back days of Iowa and then Michigan, that's an oh. unbelievable weekend of basketball for Illinois. And, and I just think of where this program has come. And I asked Io after the game tonight, you know, just reflecting. He said he had unfinished business, wanted to come back. Now he's living that, what that meant to him. And, and he just simply said, this is what I came back for. To be a top five team in the country, they're going to move up in the rankings. They're probably going to be number three, would be my guess. We'll see how it plays out since they beat Michigan. I think they're going to be number three on Monday when we get into tournament week here. And, and just what a position, what a moment. you know. And I think back of covering Iowa's commitment in Chicago at the Jordan Brand store there. and We didn't have a true sense then of like this because I don't know if you can ever picture Predicted. this. That's not fair to a kid to predict that you're going to be an All-American and lead the program back to prominence. But I think we got a sense that it was going to be special, you know, and uh, this has lived up to that. And then some, it's, it's just remarkable of where they're at. And now they have to stay focused and, and take the next step and see where, what they can do here in March, because this is when all that matters. It's, it's great. They've had a regular season here and it's phenomenal. They've made so much history checked off so many boxes of things that haven't been done since when that was last year's kind of theme of, you know, winning at Purdue and winning at all these places that they hadn't done in a long time. Now they're doing things that they've never done before, but it would be muted and not as enjoyable and memorable long-term if you can't follow it up with a good march. Yeah. And think about where this team was a couple years ago, coming from maybe the worst program the most losses right in program history and now this is the best team that illinois has seen in in decades i mean what kind of of program sees that kind of growth it's really it's it's unbelievable and i think this season on so many levels just because of the success of this team because of io coming back in this unprecedented situation and and COVID and all of this and going back to Indy to try and win a a Big Ten tournament title like this is the kind of season that people are going to make documentaries about and it's so cool to just be a part of it and and live this history and see where this team is going to go because I think we're we're in for a really fun time in March you guys. I asked this question to Trent Meacham on the pregame show. The question was, is this team at the point where they can actually compete for that national championship? We've talked all year about them having the talent to be able to do that. But talent is nothing when when you take it off of paper. You have to actually go and do something with that talent. Trent says that, yes, after the season they've been through, they, they can make a deep run in March. They can compete for that national title. I want to know what you guys think. Do, do Have they done enough? 
have the experience? Have they have they had enough of those learning lessons, those learning losses throughout the year to conceivably actually put pressure on a, on a national championship uh, and bring one back or to Champaign for the first time? I, I think it's tough to say because they haven't. It, it's been a while since they played a high major opponent that wasn't in the Big Ten. I mean, they just kind of been in this Big Ten bubble for most of the year. Um, they didn't really get, I mean, they had Duke um, earlier in the season who has since, you know, fallen out of the rankings. But um, I, me and Brett were talking about this a little bit today is we're just like excited to see how they do against a team that's not a Big Ten team. Because in this conference, I feel like there's just a certain kind of grit. It's, it's sort of a like everyone is similar playing in, in a similar way. It seems like I'll be excited to see them take on, you know, like a Gonzaga or like the random 16 seed coming out of the West. You know, it, it, we just need something to change it up a little bit, stir the pot, if you will, because I, especially for, you know, some of the most experienced players, you know, they've, they've faced Iowa before they've played Luka Garza a handful of times. They've seen this Michigan team. They know what Purdue can do. It's it's just kind of the, the same little world for them. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how they show up against other teams come NCAA tournament time and how they're um, just preparing for that in a sense of, you know, scouting a team that they haven't seen all year or a team that they haven't seen in years because that is very possible a team that they've never seen before in program history a team that brad underwood has never seen before so uh i'm really excited because that just presents a whole new challenge for this team and it'll be exciting to see how they do in that sense andy i'm buying stock in this team i don't think it's there nationally because it's not the gonzaga or baylor that was talked about before the season michigan was picked fourth or fifth in the big 10 preseason by most people and I think this team is so much better than it was when it played Baylor in December. And when you look back at that Baylor game, they're tied at 43 with 13-16 to play. I think this team, if, if you repeat that game now, they can win that game against Baylor. Now, we haven't seen it against other high major teams. Duke lost again today. They're 11-11. and I can't really put much into that one other than they won on the road earlier in the season and I think took another step confidence-wise in that game. But if we have Gonzaga and Baylor on a different level, which I think almost everyone has this season, yes, they can go and compete in that game and they can win a national championship. And that is what should have Illini fans so excited about this club. And, you know, forget the fact that they're not going to get the love because they're just not. This isn't a program that's been in the NCAA tournament since 2013. So they're not going to have that national kind of buzz like a Michigan does who's played in the Final Four in the last decade or you know, certainly a Gonzaga or a Baylor, you know, and I feel like even some of those other teams in the top 10, like a, even an Iowa that has Luca Garza, who was the preseason favorite to win the player of the year like that. That's all of that a national attention that is going to get people more excited and, and believing in that. But I believe in what the product that Illinois has put on the court this year. And that speaks for itself in this. And so for me, yes, Illinois is an absolute national title contender. They're going to be the third number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And and this is something to be celebrated for Illini fans because it just does not happen that often. They've only been a one seed three times in the NCAA tournament. This would be the fourth time ever. That is significant. 
I'm trying to rack my brain. I believe that was 2005, 1989 were the, were the most recent two. Uh, yep, and then 1984, or the time before that. All right, so that one doesn't follow the 16 year. That one doesn't follow the 16 year pattern. But 89, 2005 to 2021 follows that six year pattern. Kind of freaky, uh, but that is. It looks like it's going to be the case for the Illini in the NCAA tournament. Well, guys, any last thoughts about this game against Ohio State? Again, the regular season finale. I mean, you take a look at five of their last six games on the road in Illinois. Rattles off uh, three straight wins on the road against ranked teams to end the year. Quite the stretch. I didn't think that it was possible when they had that stretch in front of them, but they pulled it off. They got a lot of good momentum going into the Big Ten tournament, and uh, it'll be an interesting end to March, that's for sure. And hopefully a long stay in Indianapolis for the Illini. They're going to leave on Thursday for the Big Ten tournament, and they're hoping they don't return to Champaign until they got a national title in hand or at least have been in the final four. That would take them all the way through the first week of April. About three and a half weeks in Indianapolis. They're going to go, and they're going to try and win a natty and, and not come back until they uh, have extended their stay in the Hoosier State for longer than they would probably like. It's going to be a tournament unlike anything we've ever seen before with everything happening in Indianapolis this year, starting with that Big Ten tournament. It's going to be fun, Andy. We're looking forward to covering it every step of the way. Yeah, we're going to have unrivaled content next week at the Big Ten Tournament and in the NCAA Tournament. You can't find better Illini content on the internet. Uh, so uh, while Brett Behrens and Marley Weirda are working their way back from Ohio, we'll uh, safe travels to you guys. Hopefully you get back soon. And I know that we're all looking forward to uh, next weekend when we can get this these tournaments kicked off. Thanks, Andy. All right, thank yeah. you guys. Thanks for one listening. more one more Joker impression before you go. That was great. Very hey, take us home, Andy. <laughs> Very poor choice of words. There you go. That's that is your last one. Thanks for listening, everyone at home. We appreciate it. Tune in next week for our Big Ten tournament content on air and online. That's all we have for this episode of the WCIA Three in One podcast. We'll see you next time.